Hawks Live, presented by the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court and Mazda of Everett. Now, here are former Seahawks Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Welcome back to Hawks Live, presented by the Bellevue Collection. I'm Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer. Every Thursday, 7 o'clock, right here on Seattle Sports 710. And uh, we're at Bellevue Square Center Court. We were just joined oh, by man, Ryan Neal. So Great interview. Got a nice little crowd out here. And uh, it's time to go around the NFL. And I don't think the news broke last week when we were sitting here together. Oh, no. Yeah, we were sitting here together. And um, Chris no, McCaffrey. Were I, you here last week? No, that wasn't you, huh? No. That was Ray Roberts. Oh, no, I was here for McCaffrey. Oh, you were here for McCaffrey? Yeah. But it was last week. Yeah, it broke. We were sitting right here. I know, but I wasn't here last. Maybe I was. I can't remember. I think you were. I was gone one week. Yeah. You you all know. They all know when I wasn't here. (laughs) I can't remember. But um, the news broke. Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers. Obviously, we didn't expect to see much out of him that very first week. I think he had like three carries, a couple receptions. But they got whooped by the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs, that's just a good football team. Um, And I look at the Niners, and they still – are a threat to me. What do you think of the Niners after that loss and with the addition of Christian McCaffrey? Well, I think what surprised me was defensively how much they struggled. And I get Kansas City's good, but they're not 45 good on a great defense. So that that to me was uh, an eye-opener for me. And look, I think Garoppolo is fading fast. Um, I, I think McCaffrey, if they settle in, it's going to take them a while. Yeah. they got to figure out roles and how they're going to spread the, the football around. I mean, look, everybody says, oh, you know, McCaffrey. I go, you can only throw to one guy at a time, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like having ten good basketball players. Man, only five can be on the court at once and only one can shoot. And the same thing with there. they got to figure out how they're going to get the ball to Kittle and Samuel and McCaffrey and 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 Ayuk and all those guys. They're, they're, I think they're going to be good offensively. But let me tell you what. If all of a sudden they lose two or three in a row because mm-hmm. they're still trying to figure it out, they're out of the race. And yeah. they went all in. All they got in. no draft pick. They don't have a first, a second. They got some thirds from the supplemental draft. But they basically gave up everything for McCaffrey. And they'd already given up their first uh, before that. So uh, I look at the Rams and 49ers. I mean, they better turn it around quickly. I think the 49ers still always a tough matchup for us. But I'm starting to feel like this defense is believing in themselves. Mm-hmm. It looks so different than the last two weeks in the interior line. And I, when we had Jordan Brooks on, how he's freed up to run the football. And let me tell you what, that's a game changer because yeah. he is fast, he's physical, he's, he's a specimen. There's not very many guys like him that are as big, as strong, uh, as fast, and can tackle the way he does. And so if you can just free him up, um, we, and we've done a great job against the run, this is going to be interesting. If we can do it three games in a row and against the Giants, Boy, I'm going to be feeling pretty good about this team. You know, also who's been freed up, we heard uh, Pete Carroll say he's allowing him to take more chances is uh, Nuosu. Yeah. He said he's allowing him to take more chances. Um, I spoke to him actually earlier today. He goes, look, I still got to do my job, but if I see something, I'm allowed to react. I think that's part of this whole process to where guys understand. And I believe we were watching films together, and you mentioned that. Like, okay, you can do your job. You get to your spot. but. 
See ball, get ball. When it's yep. time to play football, you have to play football. So I think we're seeing the maturation of a defense, and they're not playing robotic. They're not just doing what the paper says. They're making sure their job is covered, but when they have an opportunity to make a play, you go ahead and make a, make a play. And that's what great teams do. Yeah, no question. And, you know, look, offenses are good at giving false reads, right? I mean, these defenses are taught so well to read your keys. Guard, pull, then I got to go next gap over. Yep. I keep following it. And now they're running these, you know, pulling offensive linemen and running play action passes behind. They've got RPOs. The game has changed. There's no question about it. So you have to free guys up to say, go make plays. You know, your key, that lineman just pulled, but the football just came into your gap. Yeah, It's okay to go and tackle the football. And I think that's the same thing with Nwosu. Yes, you've got outside contain on pass rush, but if you felt you can beat the tackle inside and still work your way back, then go for it. And that's just coaching. That's what Pete, to me, has always done. Not everybody gets that free reign. You've got to earn that right and that right. trust. And I think Pete is giving more and more guys that free reign to go make plays. All right, now I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Um, we're both from Southern California. Mm. I would assume that you played a lot of football on grass. Grass only. I grew up playing football on grass. I didn't see turf until I got to college. You went to a school where you guys still played on grass. Mm-hmm. Um this issue's popped up, and Pete Carroll has been kind of vocal about it, saying, look, there needs to be more research going into these non-contact injuries that are happening on turf. Research says is there like a 28% increase of non-contact issues on turf rather on grass. Me, personally, I prefer grass because I like the give. I like digging my cleats into the turf, into the ground. There's give there. I get in and out of my brakes. It feels smooth. It feels a bit more sticky when you play on turf. Now, I understand... Uh, financially why people go turf because it costs a bunch to get it in, but it's easier to maintain. You know, I, the best grass I ever played on was down south and went to, the, to Auburn. Best grass I ever played on in my life. So, I, and it rains up here. Like, I, I try to look at it as a, as a ball player and as a businessman, and I, I get the business side of it, but as a ball player, man, I prefer the grass. What are your, your thoughts on this whole thing? Well, I get why offense people would want grass because you slip on grass defensively. Uh, it gives, and and you're right. And while the field turf is way better than AstroTurf, and yeah. by the way, the greatest grass field in the history of any sport Where? is Arizona State Sunday. Of course you're going to say No, that. and I'm not even no, saying it, that. I'm not, I'm not saying it was it, garbage when I played up there. Well, I don't know what happened because, <laughs> well, back when I played, they only allowed Arizona State to play. Uh-huh. So you only had six, seven games a year. They redid the whole – they pulled, pulled the whole thing out, resodded the whole thing every uh-huh. year. It was – so cut, so fine. It's the fastest grass I've ever played on. Uh-huh. And so I like that because the cuts were true. You can get some high grass, and, you know, sometimes it's not as good. Actually, sometimes it's more dangerous. Back when I played, sometimes you had uh, baseball teams that, that coexisted with them. You had an infield you had to deal with. They don't really deal with that anymore. So I get what Pete's saying. I also, look, I think there's a lot of studies that still need to go f- with that. I also think there's a lot of non-contact injuries because these guys are so big now. Explosive. They're so fast. Their muscles are bigger. But here's the one thing that doesn't really get stronger, tendons and joints. Right. You can only put so much stress on those things. So I think you have... You know, these bodies that you've got to try and move and and keep up with the speed of, you know, uh, you know they're like supermen, right? The, the problem is their internal, you know, 
tendons and, and ligaments, they're not as strong. And so I think, that, yes, there needs to be some studies. I get it that there's probably a few more injuries, but it is so much better than AstroTurf. We're Definitely. used to get ACL tears yep. all the time because it did get stuck and there was no give at all. Yeah, uh, my first road game to Oregon State. They were the last team in the Pac-10 at the time, youngsters, where uh, they had the AstroTurf. And I remember sitting in the locker room, and um, I packed my cleats. And I'm, I'm getting ready to put my cleats on. I had no idea they were AstroTurf. My, the, the older teammate was like, hey, what you doing, man? Go ahead and put those those Jordans on you got yeah. right there because that AstroTurf. Yeah, that was rough, man. All right, let's go to, let's go to Indianapolis. Hmm. Matt Ryan is being benched. There's an injury. I think it's a shoulder or something that's going on. But they're not saying, look, okay, he's done for the next couple of weeks. They're saying Tell for the rest of the season, we're going with this kid, Ellinger. And you look at his stats, he's not playing horribly. I think his touchdown to pick ratio is like 9-9. Nine nine, but passing yards-wise, he's top 10. I believe completion rate is around like 63 to 64%. Um, What's going on in Indy, man? They've had so many veteran quarterbacks go over there and just not be able to get it done. Yeah, I mean, they, I think they looked at, look, nine interceptions. I think that leads the quarterbacks. Uh, it was the number of fumbles he had had. It was the third down conversions. And more importantly, it's it's points and wins. And, you know, Frank Reich said, he goes, look, we are, it's a tough business. We're, we're judged on wins and losses, and, and that's reality. And where they are right now, it, coaches don't make those decisions on a game. They make them on consecutive things, right. practice through preseason. Right. It's not progressing the way we want. We're watching this other young kid in practice. We like it. We're probably at a point where we gotta we got to roll the dice, see if he's our quarterback of the future. They always say it's not for a game or two. It's for a game or two if he isn't any good. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Matt Ryan's back in. But mm-hmm. uh, I think they're just trying to give this guy confidence and not uh, put too much pressure on him. More QB stuff going on in New England. We saw uh, Zappy. Is that crazy? That's wild. Have you ever seen a guy get pulled after three series? Three series through one interception. The numbers weren't bad. He threw an interception, but uh, he but did, now it didn't look right. I get it, but they, they, Belichick but now said it's because of his ankle. Him? Yeah, he said it was because of his ankle, but now he's back. I don't know what's going on in New England with Mac Jones and Zappy over there and Bill Belichick. He ain't gonna tell you nothing. Bill's gonna keep it as dry as possible over there. But it sounds like Mac Jones is gonna be the guy. Again, um, I just think mentally for that quarterback, like, what are you doing to that quarterback? If you're going to go with Zappy, you might as well let him start an, uh, a game or two. You know, I've uh, people have asked me who's the greatest coach in NFL history. And, you know, Bill Belichick, the number of Super Bowls, you, you got to put him in there. But, look, he did it with one quarterback. Yep. His name's Tom Brady. Tom's not there. They've been struggling. I've said the best coach in NFL history, a guy named Joe Gibbs. Joe won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. None of them are in the Hall of Fame. Mm. And he ran three different offenses. That, to me, is unbelievable. Every other coach, they've had Joe Montana, they've had Ben Rosselberg, they've had to hang their hat on one guy. That's why if Pete can win another Super Bowl mm. with Gino, oh. man, he catapults Ooh, all me. the way to top five, right? Ooh, Maybe me. even higher than that. And so Bill Belichick, you're starting to go, his crazy decisions now, he ain't got Tom Brady to bail him out. No. And he's starting to look like just a coach. Just a guy. Just a guy. With six rings. No, look, or seven. <laughs> no, Tom got seven. He got one on Oh, Tom. you're right. Okay, okay, that's fair. It's pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, look, you, you got to give it to him for that many Super Bowls. Yeah. 
but he ain't got time anymore. No, nah, he doesn't. We'll see how that pans out. All right, when we get back, we're going to go inside the film room. We're going to break down Ryan Neal's interception, Daryl Taylor's strip sack, and Ken Walker's 74-yard touchdown. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports Station. You are listening to Hawks Live, presented by the Bellevue Collection. Every Thursday at 7 o'clock, right here on 710 Seattle Sports. We are at Bellevue Square Center Court. And now it's time to go into the field room. We're going to break some plays down. This first play we're breaking down was Ryan Neal. He intercepts Justin Herbert in the first quarter. Third down and seven. Herbert drops back, looks, fires down the middle. Ball is intercepted. Ryan Neal with the pick. Breaks a tackle across the 45. Spins out to the 47-yard line. The Seahawks on defense. Talk about adding to what they did a week ago against Arizona. A pick this time off of Herbert, who hadn't thrown many. And the Seahawks are in business near midfield. All right, tell me what you see, Moyer. Well, uh, looks like we're playing quarters uh, up top to our left and playing cover two down below. And again, I say that because we're starting to disguise things better. They're getting the concept of matchup zone uh, defense, and there's times I'm struggling to, what is it? Right. But they're all on coverage. Mm-hmm. So that's a beautiful thing, and that makes hesitation for quarterbacks. I'm not sure what Herbert's looking at here. Uh, I think he's thinking that we're going to push, uh, Ryan Neal's going to push to the number two receiver on the weak side to our right, but he just zones it off and reads the quarterback. And I, I told you, he's a, he's a playmaker. Uh, I mean, he just reads the quarterback's eyes, cuts in front of this underneath, uh, extends his hand like a receiver. It's just, uh, he just makes plays. Yeah, you described it beautifully. You got quarters up top. You got cover two at the bottom. You got Ryan Neal. Uh, this is a dime package. That means they got six DBs out there. And he just plays football, man. You drop to your zone. You get your eyes on the quarterback. That's what I love about zone is that you're able to read and react. You're looking at the quarterback, seeing where his eyes are going. And when they make mistakes like that, this makes football a lot easier for these guys in the secondary. Just playing football there, Moyer. Just playing some football. It's a beautiful thing. All right, next play, we got Daryl Taylor, strip sack of Justin Herbert in the first quarter. From the 49. Herbert drops back again. The ball comes out. The ball is scooped up. The Seahawks have it. It's Taylor running down the far side. Knocked out of bounds at the 20-yard line. I couldn't tell from here whether the ball was just stripped away, whether he fumbled. The ball just reached out and knocked out of his hands, and Taylor picks it up. And another takeaway by the Seahawks. Chargers now have turned it over twice, and Seattle in great field position to try to score again. One, before I get your analysis, man, I love the movement in the secondary, man. I think I love that thing. movement. I do, too. Safety crashing down. You got your backer going to the flat, the corners. Are, I mean, it's just it's, it's poetry in motion when I look at that movement in the back end. But what are you looking at? Uh, same. I, they disguise it as a cover two look, um, and then we drop our, our free safety down. To, they motion to a, kind of a stacked uh, position, right, where they get three guys all together, and we zone it off. This ends up becoming man-to-man, but we let them go once they motion down. And this is where I'm getting really excited about our pass defense. It, they're starting to understand the concepts, right? And so when we got these new coaches in, they're great teachers, it's just taking a little time for them to really not think about this anymore. Yeah. So now they motion down to three wide receivers in a stack position. 
They just say, go ahead. You guys release, and we'll pick up. I'm, I'm the inside guy. I'm the middle guy. I'm the outside guy. And whatever those three guys do, we'll go and pick up from there. Now, let's talk about the pass rush now. Because yeah. Daryl Taylor's taking a little bit of heat. Sometimes he... He's, I don't want to say disciplined. I don't, I don't know if he has a game plan sometimes for his pass rush. Right. Um, but one thing we know is he's a speed rusher. And if he can get that speed rush on the edge and he's got great shoulder turn to get around the edge of a tackle. And he look, he's a football player. He gets around the edge. He can't quite get the sack. But he can get to the arm of the quarterback. And he strips the football when he really, you know, he's about to throw the ball so it's called a it's a strip sack he gets the sack he gets the strip fumble he picks up the ball the only disappointing thing he got caught by, he got a, quarterback. Caught by a quarterback got caught by a quarterback oh, but I, I hope this catapults him and look we know how gifted daryl taylor is he is as gifted as there is coming off the edge right he's just got to get that confidence have a game plan stick to what works and i think we can see more of this i think this is the definition of daryl taylor an extremely athletic play. Just fires off the line, dips and rip, gets too much penetration in the backfield, has to reach with the opposite hand and somehow still makes a play. But now it's all about getting them knees up and not letting the quarterback get you. I think he was it's so unfamiliar to him having that ball in his hand. He didn't know what to do because he's definitely quicker than this. But what helps the rush was the confusion also in the coverage. Uh, no question. Connected. He had to sit there and think about it for a second. He tried to get the crosser, but he didn't hit the crosser early. In the middle of the field, he had to wait for it to clear. Yep. And by the time he cleared that, it gave Daryl Taylor enough time to come around and, and strip that football. This R- is, really good play. This is match zone to the fullest right here. Uh, well, exactly. Starts. They zoned it off, and then boom, yep. they jump, and it turns into man-to-man. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it, and that's... Look, I'm seeing it more and more. I mean, we saw it actually the play before, mm-hmm. right? So how they're disguised and thinking, I don't want to get too excited, but uh, pretty <laughs> excited about what they're doing uh, in the passing game right now on All defense. Right. This next one, Ken Walker, 74-yard touchdown to ice the game. Mm. First and 10, toss to Walker, goes right side, has a little running room, Parkinson out front. Here comes Hold up on. the sideline. He's on the run, 40, down to the 30. Are they going to catch him? I don't think so. 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Seahawks. 74 yards. The Seahawks get the ball on downs. They toss it to Ken Walker, the third. He gets fired out of a Gatlin gun, and he is gone up the right sidelines. 74, and nobody got a whiff. And he is in to stretch this lead. What a back. A great play call. The Seahawks now lead 36-16. to Man, what I love about this play is that they ran it the second time they had the football and set it up. And that the second time they ran it in the first quarter, um, the youngster, Ken Walker, got north-south and still got like a 9-10 to 10 yard game. But let me set it up for you. You got three tight ends in. A three tight end set, something that we're seeing more and more. We got two tight ends to the left. Colby Parkinson is going to motion over. Now, this is like an outside zone stretch type of play. They're trying to create seams and let Ken Walker kind of find his way, but he's starting to get outside. What Will Disley does is he attacks the end man on the line of scrimmage. Boom. Colby Parkinson helps his boy out and pretty much chip blocks him, put him on his butt, and then he's looking now for that corner. 
Then I look at D. Eskridge. He's in a nasty tight split. He's tight to the line of scrimmage. His job is to get the safety just enough to make that wall right there. And now when he makes that wall. You got Kobe Parkinson getting out to the corner, and bam, that thing is sealed. The rest is Ken Walker. But I also want to look at the offensive lineman, man. Austin Blythe, good release, That's climbs to that play. second level, boom, seals them off. Then we got Abe Lucas on the right side, helps out on the double team. We call that a post hand, right? Helps out the guy inside of him, boom, left hand post. Now I'm climbing to that second level and get just enough. And that's all you have to do when you're blocking for Ken Walker. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to dominate your block for mm-hmm. sure. But a lot of the times, you get just enough and let him read what you're doing. The rest is him. And uh, this guy ran 22.09 miles, miles per hour, the fastest ball carrier of the year so far. We might have something special in this young man. Well, he... Yeah, there. For, for, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna make a couple comments here. First of all, Abe Lucas and Charles Cross, unbelievable game. They completely shut down Cleo Mack, who was having an unbelievable season. Yep. Six sacks coming in. The amount of quarterback six. He was disruptive. He had one tackle, one assist, no quarterback hits, no sacks. I mean, he was just a non-factor in this game, and they really made it look kind of easy against him, particularly Charles Cross in the passing game. I can't find one negative play on this, or from a player, and you you described it great. First of all, Uncle Will Disley Great block. Pancakes the guy on the edge. Uh, you mentioned D. Eskridge. He does a great job. I think it was the safety. Um, every single person on this thing, you mentioned Blythe. Blythe gets through. Blythe's the key on this because he gets yeah. to the middle linebacker. He releases so quick that he cuts that middle linebacker off. And why he middle linebacker tried to come underneath on a toss. It makes no sense. Makes zero sense. <laughs> and by the way, if you're ever teaching how to run a toss, make sure you tell the quarterback to reverse pivot out because when I was coaching youth football, I didn't and it cost us a game because he <laughs> opened to the toss and hit our fullback yep. right in the back. Yep. And in this case, it would have been the same way he would have hit uh, 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 Parkinson who was in motion on this. There's so many good things on this, but what I think more than anything, we don't need to be great blocks all the time with Kenneth Walker III. Um, a matter of fact, one of them is when uh, Curhan tries to get a guy, doesn't really cut the guy off. He just gets him enough off balance. Mm-hmm. That's all Kenneth Walker needs. Yep. He's so fast. He's going to make the first guy miss anyways. And again, they had a safety who had the angle on him. He has the angle on him, and he can't touch him. That's how fast Walker is. And by the way, I would have gone 22.5 miles per hour if I was straight downhill shot out of a cannon. Okay. Hey, something tells me not to believe you. But well, I said out of d- downhill shot out of a cannon. <laughs> all right. That, were, that was uh, the film room, man. Great plays that we broke down there. When we return, we are going to talk that talk. This is when we pick several topics. We go back and forth. He tells me why I'm right, and I tell him why I'm right. That's how this <laughs> thing works, all right? That's coming up next right here on Hawks like Live. my wife. <laughs> It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live, presented by the Bellevue Collection every Thursday right here on 710 Seattle Sports. We're at Bellevue Square Center Court, and now it's time to talk that talk. That's when we pick a couple topics, and we go back and forth at it. 
and um, Moyer thinks he's winning the all-time. I think we've been doing this, what, three years now, Moyer? Well, it's it's close. It's like 32 to 4 or something. <laughs> all right. All right. Sounds right. Sounds right to uh, your calculations. So the first topic we got, I'll, I'll start us off, Moyer. My question to you. Is Geno Smith the best story in the NFL this season? She says yes. Um, <laughs> he's not the worst story. He's not the worst. Uh, I think it's the best story. And, you know, we had the giant uh, reporter from uh, the New York Post on earlier. And, you know, they had Geno Smith in 2017. And he was there when he was with the Jets and basically said, look, it wasn't pretty. Right. Uh, the team wasn't pretty. Geno wasn't pretty. I'm not sure what all that means. And then he got behind Eli Manning. And then he got behind, obviously, Russell Wilson, Phillip Rivers. And now. Look, I, I, I've never seen it. I, th- there's been a couple of guys that um, – who's the guy with the Raiders end up winning the Super Bowl? Or, Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon. And when he got older, that's a, that was okay. But this is remarkable what he's done because it's not going away. I mean, he is super accurate. He's super smart. Um, he knows how to run this offense. I, we're just going to keep getting better uh, throughout the season. I think it's the best story. I hope he, I don't know if he'll win an MVP, but he will get an MVP vote, which Russell Wilson's Ooh. never gotten. Ooh, those are fighting words yeah, for, they are. Uh, for Mr. Let's Ride. Let's Ride. Let's Ride. Um, I got to get my knee lifts up, man. <laughs> hey, I got to get them hey, when we go to Germany. Hey, we go to Germany. You're going to be sleeping. I'm yeah. going to be yeah, I know you in are. the house get my knees up. <laughs> For two hours and watch for another going, two hours. You're gonna be going 21 miles per hour. <laughs> um, you know I can't. I'm, I'm with you. This is clear. We're gonna agree on this one, man. Geno Smith is the best story in the league. The only other story that would have been better. Give me one. Is if Russell went to Denver and they were undefeated and he did everything and got everything that he wanted. That's not a best that, story. That would have been nightmare. That would no. I'm saying for the NFL, for us is a nightmare, but the NFL in general, they would have ate that up. They would have been all over Russell Wilson. He left Seattle. And he's he's a he finally got his MVP vote. Pete Carroll was holding him down. Nah, son. Pete Carroll was helping you he, out. He, Geno Smith is the guy. It, it's right? funny how it's how perception or how it's framed because part of me thinks the second best story is Russell Wilson. And the Denver Broncos being, what, <laughs> two and five or whatever their number is. Not good. No, not good. All right, we're, we're, we're going to move on here. Man, we got a couple rookies, a bunch of rookies that are fantastic. I mean, you got Abe Lucas, you got Charles Cross. They're not getting any MVP votes because they're offensive tackles. Yep. But we know what the value is on it. Right. Uh, we've got this special, special young man, Tariq Woolen, 6'4", runs 4'240". He's got four interceptions. But then all of a sudden we got this kid that all of a sudden got an opportunity. Yep. And it's Kenneth Walker the third. And we kind of knew coming into the season what he was going to be. It's just was he going to get enough opportunities. And mm-hmm. last week he goes for a buck, what, 170 or? 168. What, 168. So my question to you, who has a better chance moving forward to be the rookie of the year, Walker or Woolen? Woolen is the better you rookie. Can ask, you can ask everybody in the audience for help. I got this, y'all. All right. I got this. All right. Woolen is the better rookie right now. But, but. you know how this game goes. 
offense gets all the praise. It's mm-hmm. quarterbacks. It's running backs. They get the love. Like, Tariq Woolen would have to have seven to eight interceptions for him to be in consideration. A possibility. But I look at Ken Walker, and there's one thing I know. He's going to get at least 21 touches a game. So he's going to have even more opportunities to make a bigger impression. At some point, they're going to stop throwing at Tariq. They're going to pat it this way and go, nope, I'm going that way. He's going to shut down that side of the field. And because he's going to shut it down, I got to go with K-9. Ken Walker the third. Yeah, I think um, Shane Waldron, you're a big, big part of this. We got to get him some touches in the passing game. You got to get him out in space and screens, bubble screen, whatever you got to do. Angle routes. Mm-hmm. Just line up one on one against a linebacker. Uh, I think that's big. Uh, I think Woolen is special. He's really special. If we have leads, double digit lead where they got to throw it, ah, good point. then then I like the champ, but I'm going to go with K9 too. I just think you're right. It's offense. Uh, he's so special, man. I think he can get 100 almost on his own. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go with K9 as well. All right. All right. Here we go. This next one, so we got two great running backs about to square off. You got Saquon Barkley, Penn State, number two pick, ACL injury, bad ankle injury. You look at the film now. He is back. No doubt about no, it. Then you have good. the young man on the rise. His stock is rising. I hope you bought some stock in him because uh, it's expensive now. No, I bought it early. You bought it early? Okay, that's Ken Walker. <laughs> Out of those two guys, who is going to have the most rush yards on Sunday? If I'm going with K-9. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, the Giants are 28th in rush defense. They're good. I mean, it's really weird. I'm not sure why they're 28th because the games I've watched – they're pretty sound. Yeah. Uh, they, so they must have struggled earlier in the season. But the Giants have their left tackle who's injured. They have their left guard or right guard. I can't remember. I think it's their right guard. I'm flipped over. Uh, they have a guard and a starting tackle who are both going to be out this game. And I think the defense for the Seahawks has gotten better and better each week. And I think they're playing with some confidence. They're going to get after Barkley. K-9, Kenneth Walker the third. He's going to outrush Barkley. And that... He's going to catapult him to the national. National people are going to recognize him. Yep. All right. Man, I'm agreeing with you again, man. I, you know why? Because Smart. I think that this defense understands how to do their job and to be playmakers at the same time. Uh, I think they know how to do their job and to be and, and to not be robots. I always think of this quote by John Madden. I used to watch old classic uh NFL films, and I remember him talking to his guys when he was coaching the Raiders and saying, I don't want robots, I want football players. And I think we have robots to start the season. Yeah. And now we got some football players. So I think they're going to show the nation that they can stop the run against one of the best backs in the league. We agreed again. You know what? I feel like I'm your wife right now because you agreed <laughs> with everything I said. Well, I'm your wife too because you agree with everything I Amen, said. Amen, brother. There we go. <laughs> All right. Hey, make sure you guys get out to Bellevue Collection Dining District. They got a lot of restaurants to choose from. Today we had our pre-show meal at STK oh, man, how good Steak was that? House. Woo, it was good, man. I had some steak. You had the sea bass. I had sea bass, macaroni some calamari. And They're mashed potatoes. Yeah. Oh, my God. We're going back. Paul, and he's like a, a connoisseur when it comes to this. Yeah. Like, Paul's sitting there. Hey, compliments to the chef. 
bring him out. I want to talk to this guy. Like, Paul was feeling it. So if Paul is feeling the food, you good. know, it's good. Me, it I'm awful. simple. Hit me with some mac and cheese and some steak. <laughs> How was the mac and cheese? It was, it was I awesome. I, I don't do the carb thing. Uh, I can do a little mashed potatoes, but uh, I just want to make sure it was good. All right, so y'all get down to that steakhouse, man. They take care of you. Good scenery over there. Okay, when we return, we'll put a bow on this thing. We'll talk about the Giants and what the Hawks need to do. That's coming up next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bombas with Paul Moyer. We are at Bellevue Square Center Court. This is every Thursday at 7, presented by Bellevue Collection. And you know what? It's time to put a bow on this thing and uh, talk about what we anticipate from these Seahawks. This is what I think is going to happen on offense. DK is not there, but the show must go on. Now, the show can go on, and we want DK to come back, but I think there's enough right now, and there's enough cohesion, there's enough understanding of the offense and people's roles so that this offense can keep going. This New York Giants defense, they're professional ball players, not knocking them, but I think that there isn't enough there to stop the Hawks. If anything happens, the Hawks are stopping themselves, not the Giants. The Giants are 6-1, and one, and because of that, it's going to be tough because they believe they can find ways to win. Not a great team. Uh, good team. Good at everything. Not yeah. great, I don't think, at anything. Uh, their running game, obviously, they, they got a bunch of yards, and Barkley's is, is special. But I think we feel that way now. Right. Like we believe that we can win anyway. And I, I think our defense is finally understands their role and what's going on. And we, sh- we were talking about some clips earlier in the passing game, you know, how they disguise things now, matchup zone that turns into man-to-man. Uh, I'm, I'm liking it. Uh, the way they freed up Jordan Brooks the last two weeks to be able to run to the football and Jordan is a beast. When right. If he didn't have to take on a guard every play, uh, he, he's special. Offensively, look, Geno Smith ain't going away. Uh, in our run game, we were showing some of those runs. I, we are a very good running football team. We understand the concept of zone uh, running. We, we understand how to seal people off. I think Blythe, not, not that he's really physical center, but he's smart. He knows how to cut people off. Um, Look, we're going to win this game. I can't give my score because I got to wait till Sunday. You got to all listen. It's a special thing. I'm rarely wrong, um, but I don't think I don't think this game's going to be that close. I don't think you it's don't gonna, think so. No, huh? no. I, I I think we're a better football team than them. We have better pl- skill players. We have a better quarterback. They've got some injuries. I think our running backs as good as their running back. Um, we're a better football team. We're at home. The twelves. We should be six and one, five and two at the worst. We're going to win this football game. I'm with you. I think that if it is close late, within five points, we got a game. But I think that if the Hawks can get up 7, 14, 10 points in the fourth quarter, everything's rolling, that run game is nice, there's no turnovers, I think we're good to go. But I'm with you. I think this is a better ball club. The Seahawks are a better ball club than the New York football Giants. And I think that um, because it is America's game on Sunday, I believe it's one of the uh, primetime, I guess, uh, 1 o'clock yep, games. It's a 125 kick start. That the nation is going to see 
what's going on here in Seattle. And the 12s are going to be loud. You know, beginning of the season, I did not think this was going to be a hot ticket. It's a, it's a hot ticket. So I'm going to take you back to 1986 real quick. Let's do 1986. it. 1986. About to break down? Be- one of the best games I ever played. They got Joe Morris. They got Phil Sims. They've got uh, Carson. Their defense. They went to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl that year. Uh, unbelievable. They came into our house, mm. and we whooped up on them 17-13. I say whooped up on them. We shut them down uh-huh. offensively. Uh-huh. Seahawks are going to do the same thing. All right. You heard it here, folks. It's going down in Lumen. Paul Moore said it, so it must go down. All right, man. Hey, thank you, everybody, for joining us. And special thanks to Paul Swartz, Jordan Brooks, and Ryan Neal for joining the show. Our board operator is Brady Robic, on-site engineer Brenda Rogers, and production assistant is Nashant Kantapuri. Our executive producer is Nasa Chobi. The Seahawks pregame show is live this Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumbas, with Paul Moore. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live.